0: Just want to start with a couple of testimonies, if I may. I enjoyed hearing the testimonies this morning from yesterday, and it's just great to hear stories of God working in people's lives, isn't it? We had a, a testimony Sunday in our congregation in Keithley on the 27th of December. Uh, Sunday morning, we had a testimony Sunday. People just bringing their stories of what God was doing in their lives. Uh, If you're taking notes, 27th of December is my birthday, so if you're taking notes today, then you just remember that one. If you don't write anything else down, that's a good thing to write. Um, So we had this, just a great time of people giving testimonies, some some testifying of healing, uh, some testifying of various things. One young man got up, he'd only been in the church six months, he got saved last summer. And... uh, He's kind of a guy that's really, seemingly really together, but keeps himself to himself. Really consistent since he got saved, coming along regularly, getting stuck in with a a midweek life group, and just really a a lovely young man, part of the church, 19 years old. So he took the mic. He was the last one to do it on that Sunday. And he shared his story, and uh, I won't go into it much detail, but basically started by saying that he... um, was taken off his mum at a young age because his mum was a drug addict and a prostitute. And he was put into care. He finally was adopted into a family. And then, when he was a, in his teenage years, younger teenage years, in that family, a member of that family abused him. And he was just sharing his testimony with tears in his eyes how the, the love of God has come into his life and started to change him from the inside that he would never get up and stand before anybody and share anything a personal because he was so afraid and hurt by what had happened. But he knows he's got a long way to go, but he just feels that this has been the best decision he's ever made to follow Jesus and receive the love of the Father. So it was just a beautiful, beautiful testimony of this young man. And two, maybe three weeks ago, just at the turn of the new year, there's a young man in the church with us whose brother, um, from early in his teenage years, was involved in paganism and witchcraft. He was brought up in an evangelical church, uh, and they emphasized greatly on the Bible, but not on the Holy Spirit. And he just felt there must be something more than what I'm experiencing. So he turned his back on his faith because of a number of traumas that happened in his life, and went into paganism. And quite heavily into it, uh, was in it for fourteen years, and <clears throat> since his brothers come to the church, we've been really praying for him to come to know the Lord Jesus. And basically, what happened was he was uh, due to be initiated into the worship. I know this sounds a bit strange. I don't really get it either. Into an, initiated into the worship of a particular sun deity in paganism. And his brother was very concerned because it would bring him deeper into uh, some of the activities he was involved in. And seeing a lot of supernatural stuff in, in his uh, time involved in paganism. And he was getting deeper and deeper. So we really prayed as a church that this wouldn't happen. And I can only, I can only tell you the truth. Cause it's good for preachers to do that, isn't it? <laughs> but what happened was, the testimony was this, that... The night before he was due to be initiated, I don't know what on earth they were going to do to initiate him, but the night before, he woke up and an angel appeared in his room and said, you need to stop what you're doing. Enough is enough. Now go to your brother and he'll talk to you about Jesus. And it was such a, I'm getting goosebumps now, it was such an encounter for this guy who's so used to the supernatural, so used to supernatural and invisible realm stuff happening that he just knew this was serious so the next day he went to his brother and his brother led him in the prayer of salvation renouncing what he'd been involved in and baptized him in the bath and and he's now he's been regular with us since and we're, we're going to he wants actually to be baptized again publicly now I know, I don't know what your theology is for that but I, but I kind of like the heart so we're going to do that in a few weeks in front of everybody else just baptizing publicly but two young guys that, for some people, would seem for, for unreachable, but to Jesus and the love of the Father, they're reachable. And therefore, I just want to encourage you with those testimonies that in the area where you are, in this area, we always find we drive around this area quite a few times before we hit the, the right place, especially with sat-navs. Just driving around this morning, there's lots and lots of people just like these two young men. In this area there's lots and lots of people with various different issues and problems but I believe that you're here to see such people turn and when they turn to the Lord it won't be half-hearted you know this this guy who's turned from paganism he's reading his Bible all the time I was talking to him last week and he is so spiritually aware that, that, ...that sometimes takes some Christians years to get, get that sort of insight into the stuff he's got insight of. And now it's just flipped. Where it was fear-based, it's now love-based. Right. And it's all in the Father. It's all in Jesus. So, right. praise God. There's going to be more and more testimonies like that amongst us... ...because I really believe that God is moving in a wonderful way. And when we saw these awful floods across Yorkshire, particularly in Cumbria, over Christmas... And the new year, and into wharf and down into Calderdale as well. The Lord spoke to me really clearly that um, obviously this wasn't anything to do with Him, this is to do with, well, man's responsibility and stewardship of the planet, frankly. Um, but even though these floods were there, I just felt the Lord say that He was coming like a flood, and this was almost a backlash against what God was about to do. A, and this flood wouldn't be destructive, but this flood would sweep many, many people across Yorkshire. And it would, it would upheaval and change their lives and sweep them into the kingdom of God. And I think we've got to be ready for that. Not that we don't do anything and just wait for God to do it all. We're here to sow, aren't we? We're here to till the ground and God sends the rain. But I really believe that something significant's happening. And even coming in this morning, there's a change in the atmosphere here. It's great to see some people I've not seen before here. And I believe that we are going to have a great year. Do you? A great year. Praise God. Okay, John chapter 1, we got there eventually, didn't we? Okay. I want to read a couple of verses here. I think one thing that will stop us moving forward and all that God has for us this year if we take the offences of 2015 or 1997 or 1982, if we carry those offences into 2016 and into the future. And I believe that God wants us to ditch some stuff that has been offences and hurts and um, different grudges perhaps that we've held for far too long that, that, that hamper us being who we are in God. And I believe he wants us to ditch some things at the start of this year. So, I want to share about that under the title Happy. This is bad English, by the way. Happy are the unoffended. Turn to somebody and say, I'm happy and I'm not going to be offended. (laughs) Then ask the question, are you happy and are you not offended? You know, in British culture sometimes, and I know there's different cultures represented here, but in British, can I just say that British culture isn't kingdom of God culture? Okay? And keeping a stiff upper lip and putting a smile on your face to somebody that's hurt you because you can't deal with the issue or you, you know, there's there's like that kind of fakeness that comes when somebody asks you, are you fine, you're not fine. I like the fact that Alan said, I'm not doing too well this morning. At least it's real, isn't it? And and I I just believe that God wants us to be ourselves. Uh, uh, He wants us to be in faith, but he wants us to be ourselves. And being real is being truthful. Do you know that? There's there's a correlation between the two. So I am going to deal with a guy who was an amazing man called John the Baptist, but he got offended. So if John the Baptist can get offended, I'm sure some of us can get offended sometimes too. Maybe it's just me, I don't know. So John chapter 1, we're going to read a few verses here, just to put some background. This was a revelation that John had about Jesus. He says this in chapter 1 verse 35. Again the next day John stood with two of his disciples, and looking at Jesus he walked, and he said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. So as John was walking with two of his disciples, he looked at Jesus and he said this, Behold the Lamb of God. In that statement he was saying, look intently. This is the one that's going to sacrifice himself for the entire world. This is the one that's going to defeat darkness. This is the one that's going to cleanse sin. He's the one. What a revelation John had. It's amazing that John had that revelation because John grew up with Jesus. They were cousins. So he even grew up so close with this guy for so many years. But being close to him... He got a revelation of who he was. And he was able to say it publicly. This is the one. And he he said more things. He said, this is the one who will immerse you in the Holy Spirit. So he had this great revelation. Now turn with me to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. We're going to pick up the story in Luke chapter 7, just as Jesus has raised the widow's son from the dead. So he was a bit busy. Then he has this conversation with his disciples, and it starts in verse 18. Then the disciples of John reported to John concerning all the things that had happened, this widow's son being raised from the dead, all the things that Jesus was doing. And John, calling two of his disciples, I don't know if it was the same two, who were there to hear John say Jesus was the Lamb of God will take away the sin of the world. But certainly it was two. It says here in verse 19, And John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to Jesus, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect another? He lost a revelation, an understanding, a vision of who Jesus was. So why this guy who said Jesus is the one who takes away the sin of the world, he's the Lamb of God, he's the one who's going to immerse you in the Holy Spirit, he's the one who's going to change everything, a little bit later he's wondering and questioning whether Jesus is the one. Sometimes in life with the hardships we go through and the things that don't work and the things that are challenging, we can lose our passion and our faith and our revelation of who Jesus is. Jesus never stops being Jesus. Jesus is always going to be the one that works miracles. He's always going to be the one that loves us no matter what. But we can change because of the stuff in this life that can come and can hurt us. And you must understand this, John, he didn't wake up one morning and just decide, I'm not sure anymore. not sure anymore about this stuff. He was in prison. Literally. He lived for God. He'd seen his movement in some ways with all the people who followed him go to follow Jesus and what was his reward not retirement in Florida it was prison in Judea and he found himself in prison about to die just because he was doing the right thing just because he was doing what God wanted him to do and he got offended I think I would maybe get offended with that too You know, in your emotions sometimes, sometimes our emotions get the better of us, or maybe it's just me again, but sometimes we get offended because we expect God to do it a certain way and it doesn't seem to work out that way, but we still know God is good, and we still know God has a plan. John found himself in this place, and and I I really believe that his response in this moment was key to his future. I, I don't necessarily believe that God wanted him dead. I believe he wanted him alongside his cousin because his cousin Jesus was about to go through loads of stuff and he would have have done with some support. Because remember, when he got to the cross, all his disciples left him. Maybe he could have done with a guy that believed in him. Isn't it amazing? God believes in us, but in in Jesus' humanity, I'm sure at times he wanted people to believe in him as well and have his back. He experienced that betrayal, didn't he? So, if you just read on with me a little bit, let's just read on. Verse 20. When the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? And that very hour, Jesus cured many of infirmities, afflictions, and evil spirits, and to many blind he gave sight. Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things you have seen and heard, The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor of the gospel preach to them, and blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Man, that's a strong statement, isn't it? Blessed, happy, fortunate, the Amplified says, to be envied is the person who doesn't get offended when things don't work out the way we feel they should work out, or think they should work out, but will continue to know in their heart that what they've seen of Jesus, what they've seen of the Father, what they've seen of the kingdom, will come to pass. Blessed are the unoffended. Blessed are the unoffended. The word offense there in the Bible, it's a Greek word, and we get from that Greek word the word scandal, or scandalized. Sometimes we feel scandalized. We feel it's a scandal that things don't work out the way we want them to work out. We blame God or we blame ourselves or we blame our mum, or we blame the cat or we blame whoever. But the problem is that God wants us, even in the tough times, to hold on to what we've been told and to hold on to what we know to be true on the inside of our hearts. And I believe with all the good things that this year is going to bring, there will be moments when you'll need to remember this message. There'll be moments of challenge when you'll need to remember to hold on to what you've received and know that what has come has come just to pass and you will move on. Paul said it this way, your light afflictions are but for a moment compared to the surpassing glory that awaits. And I don't believe that glory is just when we get to heaven. Amen? I believe it's for us now. What does glory mean? It means pretty much God showing up. God wants to show up on our behalf, He wants to show up in our families, He wants to show up in our neighbourhoods, He wants to show up through us, but let's get over some of the light afflictions, let's get over some things that may not feel like light afflictions, they may feel like deep offences, some people may have hurt us very deeply this morning, but you know what, there's healing in Jesus this morning. Forgive me, but I'm about to quote Buddha. Buddha said this, holding on to offense is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. (laughs) It's a very powerful statement, isn't it? Let's go back to the Bible, that's important as well. Proverbs 12 verse 16 says this, the prudent overlook an insult. Or overlook when somebody hurts them. You see, one of the words you get from the Greek word to be offended is to sort of be bowed down and be entrapped. But if you have received the wisdom of God, that's Jesus. Jesus is the wisdom of God. If we receive the love of Jesus, we don't have to bow down when we're offended. We can keep in the position and the posture and the position that God has given us, raised to be seated with him in the heavenly realms, and we can overlook an insult. We can overlook the offense. We can see it from God's vantage point, instead of being bowed down and saying, oh, this is terrible, I'm such a victim. But actually we can realize that in Christ we're a victor, and stand above the offense and look behind it. Because there's two things you'll see when you look over the offense. First of all, you'll see there's an enemy behind it who's trying to stop you. And second thing you'll see is this. That there's probably a reason why that person's hurting you, because they're hurt. Those two things you'll see. And you'll actually find the compassion of the Lord to get out of that offense and pray for that person and stand and see them change. Well, I was meeting for the first time with a group of guys in the church last night. My wife and I were meeting with them in our home that we're trying to bring through into leadership. It was exciting. Because it's uh, this team that we've been kind of praying about and working towards having... We just had our first time last night. And this guy who um, has been saved probably about 18 months. No, he's been in the church 18 months. He's been saved about three years. He lost his position in his uh, company, uh, his family's company. He fell out with his father. They had a very, very well-established business, making a lot of money. This guy was a chief executive in the business. Lost all that and uh, decided to walk away from his family business. And he just took a job at Marks & Spencer. Now, I think it's a great firm to work for. He's enjoying it. But he started in the lowest place, if you like, from a chief exec right to Marks & Spencer. He did it because he just wanted for a short time in his life to stop being stressed out and in his newfound faith, have time for church and have time for God, uh, and just took a normal job for a season. And when he, when he got there, his supervisor immediately took a dislike to him. The lady over him immediately took a dislike to him. And he asked for some Sundays off, or at least Sunday, you know, once a month off and things like that, and she wouldn't give it, and he, and he didn't like one particular area of work, so he seemed to be put on that a lot, so he just requested... Even though he was doing a great job, if he could be off that particular area of work, she put him on constantly. And he just seemed to get favoured. Like different regional managers had come in and they would talk with him and they would ask him how they did things. He had a number of suggestions for the store and his suggestions were taken on board and the store became more profitable. And he's been promoted and promoted. They're talking about giving him managership of, of the store now. He's only been there a year, 18 months. And so this lady is now under him, and he's her boss. She's her, he's her boss. And it's interesting, because what he said last night was this. He says, and you know what? The, things, the areas that she doesn't like to work in, I make sure that I don't put her in those areas. And she doesn't know why. But she will know why. He's been able to direct a number of people to cap and different organisations to help them if they're in trouble with various things. And he's just being salt and light in the place where he works because he didn't want to carry that offence that that lady gave him. Has anybody heard of the rock band, the Eagles? Sadly their lead singer died earlier, a, few, a few days ago actually. Well, the Eagles was a a rock band that formed in 1971 and created hits like Hotel California. Some people may remember that. When it first came out, I wasn't even born, okay? (laughs) But their leader... Uh, the Eagles broke up in 1980. So nine years after they got together, they broke up. And they broke up in an absolute offense with each other. In fact, if you read about them, they, were, they the last concert they did, two of the guys involved in the, in, in the midst of the songs were saying to each other, when you get off the stage, I'm going to give you a battering. It was that bad, the offense they had. And one of the one of the members of the band when he was asked by the press will you ever get back together his response was this when hell freezes over when hell freezes over then we'll get back together there was just so much offense but these guys 14 years later worked it out and released a new album called when hell freezes over And there's a song on the album, and it's called Get Over It. And it talks about offense. I just want to share some of the lyrics with you. It says this. It's kind of a, well, I'll just share it. I turn on the TV, and what do I see? A whole lot of people crying, don't blame me. They point their crooked little fingers at everybody else, spend all their time feeling sorry for themselves. Victim of this, victim of that. Your mama's too thin, your daddy's too fat. Get over it! Get over it. All this whining and crying and pitching a fit. Get over it. It's like going to confession every time I hear you speak. You're making the most of your losing streak. You drag it around like a ball and chain. You wallow in the guilt. You wallow in the pain. You wave it like a flag. You wear it like a crown. Got your mind in the gutter bringing everybody else down. Get over it. Strong lyrics, huh? We need a bit of grace on that now. I'll pepper a bit of grace on it. But I just believe that even from the lyrics of a rock band, this year God is saying it's time to get over some stuff. Maybe that pastor hurt you, or maybe that person didn't treat you right, or didn't say hello to you, or got in your chair on a Sunday. But it's time to leave those things behind this this year. And actually go on to mature it. Sometimes we don't like the package the message comes in, or we don't connect with certain people. and then we say, "Oh, I don't connect with him, or I don't connect with her." And then it solidifies something in our heart. We can't connect. I've done it myself with people. I remember two young men who came into the church in Leicester when I was involved in youth ministry there, and student ministry, two students, their first year at university. And uh, we were having a really good time in the Holy Spirit at that time. And many people were experiencing manifestations. And these two guys came in. I remember them to this day. And as soon as I laid my hand on one of them, he manifested all over the place. Crying, laughing, jumping around, falling on the floor. And the other one, I laid hands on him. It must have been about ten minutes. And you know, sometimes when there's no manifestation, you get in the flesh. And you kind of think, well, let's just see if we can... Oh, Lord, let's put a bit of weight on him in the Spirit. Now. But, you know, there was nothing happening. And I thought, in my flesh, I thought, this guy is really walking with the Lord. He's really responding to the Lord. I've grown up since then, by the way. And this guy, oh, there's a blockage there, you know, he's not receiving. Turns out that guy, two weeks later, didn't see him again, living all sorts of lifestyle. This guy went on to be my right-hand man in evangelism team and stayed with me and stayed with the church for the next six, seven years until he moved back to London. And he became a mighty, mighty man of God. And what you, we what you do, we get a perception, we get a perception that's not love, and we get offended because people don't respond and react the way we want them to. And we think it should be done this way and it should be done that way. Well, this year God is going to get us out of the box. He's going to change our perception. And he's going to say, you think I thought I was going to do it this way? I'm not going to do it that way, I'm going to do it these five ways. And they're all going to come at you at the same time, it's going to be great, get ready for it. And sometimes we can get offended because it doesn't happen the way we want to. Remember Jonah? He was like that, wasn't he? Oh, God, you've given me this message. You put me in a shipwreck so that I would go and deliver the message. I delivered it, that they'd all die because God was going to judge them because of their wickedness. And then you let them off? I'm so offended. You let them off. You find that story in the book of Jonah. And he sat there offended because God didn't kill a lot of people because he'd said they, he would. I mean, what is that about? But there's such humanity in the scriptures as you read through. Whether, whether, you know, Joseph, somebody mentioned Joseph this morning. He could have been offended big time and probably battled with that for a long time. Battle with Feelings of hurt because his brothers betrayed him and left him for dead and was left in a prison. And even when he helped other people out, they didn't help him out. But I believe this year is a year to rise above it and become who we are. Rise above that offense and become who we are. So how do we get over it? I'm going to be real quick now to finish off. First of all, just forgive. I know it's, it's easy to say that, but it's a lot harder to do it. But, but I, I believe that if we start to voice forgiveness, that's the start of it. If we start to speak it out, that's the start of it. So it may be something like this. Yes, you have sinned against me. Yes, you've deceived me. Yes, you've lied about me. Yes, you've hurt me. But I will not hold it against you. I will even pray that God blesses all the goodness that I see in you and uses it for his kingdom. My raw emotions sometimes feel that you deserve to be cursed, not blessed. But I do not want the toxins of such sentiments in my mouth or my heart. So I bless you in the name of Jesus. Be blessed. And in those simple words, an act of blessing, it's the start of our freedom to forgive those who've hurt us, even if they don't deserve it. I believe we need to watch our words. The Bible says in Proverbs 12, 18, thoughtless words can wound as deeply as any sword, but wisely spoken words can heal. Sometimes we have a tendency with our offenses to share them with other people, so that person gets offended as well. So we share our offense with somebody else, about somebody else, and then that person becomes offended with that somebody else and has a wrong perception of them because really it's kind of subjective, this stuff, isn't it? God doesn't want us to share our offense. He wants us to share words of life, words of love, and words of grace with people. So secondly is watch our words. And thirdly is this, just live, and receive, live in and receive forgiveness. Yeah. The Bible says this in Colossians 3. It says we can forgive, why? Because God has forgiven us. When we realize how much we've been forgiven for. And you may be sat there this morning thinking, well I'm a relatively a good person. I'm a really good person. I'm a really, really good person. Can I just say get real? Because without Jesus, none of us are really, really good people. We're really not. And God wants us to receive his goodness, to start to be the kind of people he always intended us to be. But it's important that we have a massive, massive understanding. I believe in our heads as well, which is great why we're doing apologetics and other Bible study. But in our hearts of this great work of forgiveness and redemption that we have in Jesus. It's essential because when we see it, then it will affect everything in our lives and it will affect how we see other people. I don't know if you've seen the film The Passion of the Christ, but I think it's something that we should kind of watch as Christians at least every few months or at least every, a couple of times a year because it's a visual example, a, a clear picture of what Jesus did for us. And if he, went, that, he went, all, went through all that for us, I'm sure that he'll give us the grace to forgive those who hurt us. Would you stand with me, please? In this house, we are real but we also make mistakes. And when we do, we make sure we say sorry. We give second chances to anyone. And we also have lots of fun. In this house, we definitely forgive. We also do loud. We give the best hugs. We are family. And in this house, that means we we love. love.